You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast Nordics, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I'm Chris Bennett, and I help connect businesses with tech freelancers, and I'm your host. Right, who have we got on the roundtable today? First of all, so we're going to have some introductions. So first of all, we're going to go to Elon. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> hey everyone, uh, my name is Elon. Um, originally from Israel, now live in Stockholm, and I'm currently the product manager of Klarna Checkout, which is one of the Klar- of one of Klarna's biggest product. It's an all-in-one commerce checkout solution, and I've been with Klarna for three years now here in Stockholm. Perfect, perfect. I've got your name right as well, which is the, the big win. Um, okay, second of all on the panel, we've got Bahare. Can you tell us a bit yeah, about Yeah, thank you, Chris. So, hi guys, my name is Bahare and I live in Stockholm. Um, I'm currently working as product area manager for the payment area within H&M um, and responsible for the whole payment uh, area. I have a little bit different uh, background compared with many of my colleagues. I'm coming uh, from the life science uh, area and work a lot as a scientist, um, which brings me some other way of thinking into this area. Love it. Okay, and our third guest is Lana. Tell us a bit about yourself, Lana. Yes. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Lana. Uh, I work as a director of product for search and spam protection, uh, which are the core products in the True Color offering, uh, which also gives me the privilege to lead and love um, uh, 20 incredible people in my team. Um, I have been with uh, True Color for six years. Uh, I have been living in Stockholm for about six years as well. I'm originally Macedonian uh, and I'm super happy to be here with this group of people. Looking forward to exchange some great opinions around how we do things and learn something as well. Fantastic. And then finally, Nathaniel, you're on mute. There we go. He nailed it. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Not trying to repeat the 2020 mistake. (laughs) Hi, everyone. My name is Nathaniel. I am the accountable lead and product manager for the in-app shopping payments team within Klarna. And essentially what we take care of is we issue credit and provide um, virtual cards to users who use the Klarna app. And and they can use those cards to actually um, purchase items at merchants and then use uh, Klarna's payment methods to pay off that amount. Um, I've been at Klarna now for a little over two years, I'd say. Actually, I started together with Elon or almost together with Elon. We were in the same team before and kind of moved into product uh, almost simultaneously. Uh, So we've been sort of a a tag team uh, of sorts lately. on the personal side, I'm from Suriname, which is is always a bit of a, an interesting place to discuss and, and, and explain. Usually people think it's in Indonesia, um, but uh, the way that I explain it is, you know where Venezuela is, next to Venezuela, you have a small country, Guyana, and then next, next to that, you have Suriname. Um, so from born and raised in South America, but my dad was Dutch, and so I moved to the Netherlands to study and kind of moved around until I landed in, uh, in Sweden. Brilliant all interesting people so as with all of the uh, roundtable podcasts that we set up i've asked each attendee to bring one question 
And each of those questions or statements, I suppose, is going to be the topic of discussion for around about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. So the first question, Elon, um, your question was, what's the best way to push back on certain decisions that upper management wants you to go for, but you believe is not correct or that you should collect more data first? So give some context about why you asked that question um, for today's topic. Yeah, this is a, an amazing question. And I think that any product person out there would, would feel close to it. I know specifically, probably if my boss is listening to it, it'll be quite proud. Um, one of the things that I've learned uh, through the years is that you have to put your ego aside when it comes to uh, this type of approaches, especially if you're running a big product that is in the limelight. Um, and it's important to be very objective towards the ideas coming from everywhere, whether it's uh, even from other product managers and especially uh, stakeholders, higher management, C-level. Um, what I try to do is I really try to understand why in the beginning this decision is coming from and how is this contributing to the company's uh, or the product vision. It's really important that we align on it. And that's why it's really important that me as a product owner continuously um, echo the product's vision and mission so that they're aligned with it as well. It's not going to be a surprise to them all of a sudden that I changed the vision and then uh, things don't look so well anymore. Um, hmm. So my rule of thumb is not committing to, to anything on the fly. Mm. You need to go back and collect the necessary information uh, so I usually agree on a time to come back. So, okay, let me collect, I collect the why, and then I'll come back with, with a decision. Now, when coming back, that's where the magic happens. I think uh, Nate and I have been talking about it quite a lot on the coming back to the specific stakeholder for the specific decision. So <laughs> what I learned, and hopefully others learn along the way, is don't say no right away. <laughs> Don't, don't don't come back and just outright say no and give another thing. But you, you need to communicate properly what you need to drop in order to prioritize this task. And usually what they will also expect is to see that you put the time and effort to present back to them what they requested and then compare it with another alternative. Now, the key to really push back is to, to make sure that you're coming back with data. So we have this type of mentality is that when you're talking with a C-level stakeholder or you're just higher management, that if it's my opinion versus higher management, uh, their opinion versus higher management opinion, their opinion wins. But if it's my facts, versus higher management opinion, my facts win. And so it's very important to come in with facts. And what is facts? It's data. So you come in with data and they will respect it even more. But as in any case, they might say that it's still a priority for them and this needs to, still needs to be done. And so my other tip is 
uh, document and make sure that they understand what's the risks involved and what's the, the trade-off involved if they do decide to continue, which is absolutely, absolutely makes sense. And, and then I would recommend to practice another good ability, which is disagree and commit. <laughs> no one likes a sore loser and, and you need to be able to communicate back, okay, let's, let's do it. As long as you're understanding the risks involved, you're understanding the trade-offs, let's do it, I'll do it. What's your thoughts, Lana? Yes, I agree with most of the points that um, uh, he mentioned. So I have been in the middle of so many opinion battles for no good reason. Uh, and I have found myself in many circumstances proving that someone's idea is not going to work just because they don't have enough data where I myself didn't have enough data to actually prove that it's not going to work. So that is what, for example, uh, Elon mentions about opinion versus opinion and facts versus facts. So what I would always do is to sort of go back and get the information that is necessary for me to make the decision about whether this is uh, any idea that I should include in my product or whether this is something that is just going to waste our time and it's not going to bring benefits for uh, for the users. So understand first where the stakeholders are coming from. Try really, try to really listen, try to understand the problem, uh, try to potentially offer some other ideas that might solve the problem in a better way or in a, a more cost efficient way. But what has helped me a lot uh, is actually having a really compelling product strategy. So when you work without a product strategy, then it's easy for any idea to find its way through your <laughs> backlog, just because eventually it may turn out that, okay, no, this is a high priority. We will anyways have to do it. Very true. Yeah. But having a compelling product strategy, and as you said, evangelizing your product vision, use it in almost every message that you send to your stakeholders in everything that you do in your uh, uh, Jira tasks or in the messages that you send out when you inform about new features, that helps a lot for stakeholders to understand, okay, whether this idea really fits that product vision, whether this idea really fits that product strategy. So sometimes it could, could work as a filter. Um, and also I, I do use it as a filter sometimes when I get into a discussion with, uh, let's say, a stakeholder and then we discuss about something that uh, they consider uh, being valuable to be added to the product. I always think about, OK, yeah, you know, but the strategy, you all committed to that and this is not really part of the strategy. So do you think that it's really worth it that we stop what we're doing to accomplish this strategy so that we can go and pursue some other venture? Um, and then another thing that I actually started doing at some point was when you work on a product where a lot of people want to have their say in or want to have their stake, you actually need to figure out a way for doing quick discovery. So the way that I started sort of setting my team or what I started to set my team for was to set up frameworks that will allow us to actually do quick tests on ideas. Uh, do quick iteration. Of course, not every idea, but ideas that we also thought that it could that could bring benefits to uh, the product. But sometimes it could be one of those ideas that, as you said, sometimes it could be, yeah, you know, but this is still a priority for us. Then I would always say, okay, let's test it then. 
And if my team has already prepared that framework for us to be able to test those ideas fast, which you should have when you work on a product that is as important for the organization um, as sort of the, the stakeholders want to have their say in, uh, then you should be able to to do th those tests fast. You should be able to, uh, of course, do a discovery uh, for those specific ideas. That's a very um, good point. That yeah. is a very good point. And as you said, involve them, like involve them all the time, like involve them while you do the testing, involve them how you do the testing, uh, involve them in sort of sharing the final results. And then when you sort of, you when you weren't right, you say, okay, I wasn't right. Right, your idea was great, and this is what our users said. But then, like, if they're not right, then you don't just go and say it. Okay, you know, I was right, but we can say, okay, we tested this idea was great, but our users do not seem to get the hang of it. Like, we need to sort of, we need to drop it. We cannot afford to build a, a product out of it. Um, so yeah, but I agree. Like most of those things that uh, you mentioned are like my strategies as well, uh, and I believe that most of us have found themselves in. Um, similar situation, maybe even more so often. Bahare, I'll yeah. bring you in. I can see you were about to say yeah. something earlier. I mean, I, I, I can, I, I definitely agree what has been brought up. Very, you know, uh, good points. And, and to start with, going back to what Elon said, I, I really believe into having, you know, a data uh, decision, database decisions. I think that's kind of a key. And sometimes you end up in, you know, uh, organization, a product organization where you start to move from that. And, and I think that's a little bit dangerous because then it's, it's really about opinion against opinion. And it's very difficult to, uh, to prove yourself, <laughs> you know, when you don't have any facts, you don't have any data. And, and going also, I think one thing that I really emphasize my teams to always bring in is that what, why are we going to do this? You know, building on the why before you start to build on what. Understand the need. What is the need? Does the customer really want us to move in that direction or develop our product in that direction? Or is it just a nice feature to have, but no one wants really to use it? I think that's really a success factor as well uh, to understand that. But something that I really agree on is also a mistake that normally junior leaders do is to, you know, directly say no. Don't do that mistake. <laughs> Be humble, you know, uh, listen, take in all the, you know, suggestions you hear. And as, as already mentioned, ask for time to go back. Make sure that you understand the expectations and why they have raised, you know, uh, the request and go back and start to build on and see if you have enough data to build on the why. And, and the best would be to come back and present, you know, uh, MVP for what as well. And, you know, do, do a stop, step longer. Um, I also love what you said, Lana, to, you know, to, to dare to try and fail. I think this is something to be a successful product organization. You need to have in place where you could actually try and learn from it and see is this something that we could build on or no if i mean it doesn't add any value it it will require too much effort cost or technology investment whatever and for that reason is not in line with our strategy right now to you know put effort and time and and focus on that so i think that that's really important as well 
But something I would like to emphasize as well is actually to um, also there to speak out, not just be, you know, the product manager who always come back and say, yeah, I did the investigation and let's go for it. Because no one wants, you know, to have someone who's always say yes to everything. You yes. are there for a specific reason. You are there for your expertise and they expect you to say no. So speak out. Uh, I, I think uh, that's 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 really important. Dare to, to speak out and, and say if you don't believe in it, but be humble and listen. And, and if they don't agree with you, as already mentioned, just make sure they understand the risk with it and in which, which direction we are uh, basically going in. Well, mm, absolutely. I, hope you, I hope you don't all agree with you on this podcast as well i'm looking for some debates as well because we're all nodding our audience can't see it but while you're saying don't be a yes man i've got four people nodding their heads <laughs> um nathaniel what about yourself anything to add so i unfortunately i won't be able to disagree with what's been said so far but um i'd like to add to it i think that in in certain circumstances, um, you might get requests from from upper management that need a response quite quickly. Um, I've had a, a recent example happen where we were asked to loan an engineer of one of our teams to to work on a particular stream, and and that of course requires some pushback, right? Because especially in in my team per se, we have um, we're a business critical product, and we are a sort of a central cog within our domain and in our problem space. So removing one person of my team is a huge, huge deal. And so you then have to think very quickly and on your feet about, you know, how can I push back in the most politically correct way, um, but also uh, in, in the right way in, by providing trade-offs, right? So it's about, okay, what do I want to communicate to highlight those risks even further? And, um, and 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 just explain what what the trade-offs will be, right? Because if I if I remove you know one engineer from my team, that is a is a pivotal resource that that we won't have, which means that we'll probably have to postpone or delay some of the projects that we're working on. Here are the trade-offs, and um, and and that sometimes needs to be answered very quickly. So uh, while I do agree with everybody that you know you can go back and say I'll I'll get back to you, come back with data. Sometimes. You don't really have to agree, and you you gotta gotta kind of bring it. Um, but I think you can't what's really, do magic always. It's exactly you can't right. But but what I think is very pivotal at that moment is for you to already have had uh, built up a really good relationship with your engineering team, and specifically with the engineering manager within your team or tech lead within your team, um, because. This is a person in my team that I just can't live without, right? Uh, he's mm -hmm. a person, he's my my partner in crime, my co-pilot. And the first thing that I would do is reach out to him immediately and say, hey, can I can I grab, mm -hmm. you know, five, ten minutes of your time? We have something urgent that we need to discuss and get all of his input so that I can, you know, uh, in a more confident way, respond with those trade-offs. Mm -hmm. um, good news, we yeah. didn't have to give away. So that was good. Uh I was going to say, Nathaniel, the second thing you do is ring me. Um, that's my job. That's how I keep the lights on. Yeah. No gaps. No gaps. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Um, Elon, is that, does that answer your question? Is there anything further to add at the end of that? Not really. I think there's a lot of super smart people in a room and very good ideas. So if product managers out there listen to this, 
write down the tips, do exactly as been said, you'll do fantastically. The problem is I probably speak to all of us. Sometimes we don't practice what we preach. Uh, we let our emotions, <laughs> we let our emotions run wild a lot of times. And but it's really important to look back and and kind of go for the basics. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Brilliant discussion that one. Um, Sounds familiar. Set standard, <laughs> set standard now. Okay, so second question uh, is Bahare. Um, Bahare was given ninety minutes notice to figure out a question. <laughs> so um, your question is: so we're probably not the wording right, but how to keep the startup curiosity and thinking alongside the company growing? So give some context behind that within uh, kind of building products underneath the magnifying glass. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very product passionate person, you know, love to basically work in that uh, area and, and raise the question because I see, I don't want to say often, but I, I, I see and working in global companies, it's so easy, you know, to move around, move away from the uh, startup thinking, curiosity and innovative way of working, you know, uh, alongside when the growing company, you know, getting bigger and bigger, getting mature, mature products sometimes as well. Um, you're losing the innovative way and thinking. Um, and, and I think this can be really a challenge uh, for uh, companies as well as product teams, how to handle it where they basically could end up being a DevOps team, uh, you know, uh, moving away from, you know, having the discovery and innovation in their daily work, make sure to, you know, put time, effort and energy to, to doing discovery. And, and I, as a, as a, you know, leader, I'm always trying to emphasize and, and make sure to have tools and, you know, um, in agile working as well to make sure that the teams also knows that we kind of have expectation that they put time uh, to do discovery. We're not expecting them, you know, to uh, plan a sprint full for DevOps because that, of course, that will be great because they will deliver a lot, but on the long time, I mean, the product development will basically decrease. I mean, you will reach a certain time, you know, where your product is so mature, so you will more or less be maintenance and you maybe need to start to disclaim it, which you could end up in anyway. But I mean, you would like to have a product thinking and, and a culture where uh, you really basically need to have the startup thinking in the, you know, in the culture, in the walls, in the thinking to make sure that everyone, you know, breeze discovery and curiosity thinking if you understand what i mean and and i think this this is challenging sometimes you know because it's also competes with of course the devops part and how to balance it i mean um and, and one thing i've learned also here is how important it is to create the culture where it is okay to you know try and fail and learn from it. It is okay to do mistakes. Uh, it's much, much better to try and fail rather than do nothing. Um, and this is something I have with me from my, you know, uh, background being a scientist that you won't get a great product before you have failed a lot of times because you learn from each and every time by failing. 
Um, yeah, so that was well, basically it. Well, so Nathaniel, I came to you last last time, so I'm coming to you first this time. What's your kind of thoughts around this? Sure. Um, yeah, I think if I relate it to to myself, I mean, Elon and I we work uh, at Klarna, which is is now quite quite a big big company. And uh, one thing that uh, surprised me when I came into product management was how, unfortunately, how little time it feels at times that you have um, to talk to your customers. And I believe that that is, is one of the main sources of understanding um, for, for your product in, in, in the first case, and, and innovation ideas will, breed, will, will come from that. So it's really about um, can we focus on the customer because essentially we're solving their problem in a way that meets the needs of the business essentially right so it's yeah. getting front and center with your customers and it when when you say that usually people tend to think oh well i don't have time for that because it takes at least a week to prepare for it get surveys ready you know prepare for the interviews but it doesn't necessarily have to be that i mean you could for example check Twitter, check Facebook. What are what are people talking about when it comes to your product? Uh, maybe maybe go to your sales team or your customer support team and sit in on on some of the calls. Ask them first, of course, <laughs> but sit in on some <laughs> some of the calls. And if you're going to customer support, maybe you could ask to help out a customer and and potentially help them. Um, um, sorry, potentially ask them some questions after you help them. So that is, those are just some simple ways in which you could, um, you know, get more customer insight uh, rather than having to prepare. And I do believe that the more you understand of your customers, who your customers are, what they're experiencing, what problems they're facing, the more you can convey, the better you can convey that message as well to your engineers. And then together, I believe you'll be in a way better position to, to solve their problem in or sort of solve their problems in more innovative ways and uh, and that kind of keeps that startup mentality going i think lana yes i'm not sure if i have the same experience as the guy since Klarna is a lot bigger company than true color but we have grown a lot in the past period and we have try to systematically address the issue of what will happen when we're going to grow so much that we risk losing the startup spirit and uh, also the, the speed at which we deliver today and at which we innovate. So we tried addressing that about two years ago by setting up a bit of a different uh, organizational structure where we sort of created companies within the company and then the person leading a product area is sort of the CEO of the product. So I have this small team and I'm accountable for, of course, what my team delivers and how well that addresses the business needs, the customer needs, uh, the industry needs as well. But at the same time, the idea is that I can empower that team to think about specific problem and find innovative solutions for it. So what we do is we have the company goals uh, that we, of course, try to sort of keep them on a high level so that we have our own missions and we have our own uh, uh, strategy to set against them. But then when I do set the objectives for my team, I try not to define how they should achieve those objectives. So I have my whole team sometimes like sitting in weeks uh, during weeks and spending time to actually brainstorm around a specific outcome, brainstorm or a brainstorm around a specific problem, and then come up with certain proposals. And then they would come and then they would present. 
and then sort of the, the my my natural response would be okay let's test them all but what allows us to do that is that at some point in time we have actually invested heavily in uh, applying fail states that means today we can release any feature on the client but if something goes back we can just switch it off and our app will still work the same so it's important that the basic yeah. things work but everything that we innovate on top of that we can switch it off in no time once we see that something is uh, not going as we yeah. expected to go and that has really moved the needle a lot for us uh, because we can still mm. keep the startup spirit and at the same time we can grow uh, so as let's say when my team grows over um, a certain size then we will eventually need to split it so that we can keep that small empowered team that is focused on a specific problem and so that they don't work and do uh, work on too many things at the same time so that they can have some space to uh, do R&D, to innovate, to test their ideas, to iterate through them. Uh, but what's really important is that uh, by also setting up a really high quality release uh, management process uh, where we have, uh, let's say, uh, a week in which we do dock feeding of the app, then we have a week in which we uh, feed the early adopters with the new features, which are in the uh, size of uh, 200 to 300,000 users, maybe where we get sort of the early feedback of whether something is working as uh, it should or if at least it's stable. But then once we go to our release and we release to millions of users, we can easily roll back any change without having to roll back the full release. Certain changes can still go, whereas some changes that we're trying to test can be pulled back. Uh, and this is a bit different also from uh, um, how we set up our A-B testing, because that's also another sort of parallel track for us. Uh, we can easily configure what we want our users to see. Uh, we can test uh, in a responsible way as well. And that has always been sort of part of how we wanted to uh, define the product, how we wanted to push changes out, and also how we wanted to learn uh, about what our users do with the features that we ship. Um, so that, that is just um, um, part of my experience on the topic. Hello. Thank you. This is super interesting to your uh, Svetlana right now, talking about this uh, rollback, a quick rollback feature that they have on, on an app that yeah, you usually do uh, quite spaced out releases. Um, super interesting. I, yeah. I think that. And you know, we're like yeah. 10, 10 production units, and you have like this concept of companies within the company, or like a, a, set, a person that is responsible for part, part of the product uh, needs to be actually aligned to what other teams are releasing. And this release management process is sort of what connects us all together yeah. and what sort of uh, reminds us that we're still working on the same product. Like we cannot go like outside of how our app should look and feel or what we should deliver on. Uh, but at the same time, those other nine production units need to be able to release their features. And I shouldn't be the one that should holding them off just because um, um, we messed up something in the test and our feature is not really what we thought it was so when we try to release it, even though we do a lot of uh, extensive testing. Like there is always the case where you really want to be safe and you really want to have a fail safe for, for the feature so that you don't block the release. This is super, super, super interesting. Um, for me, I'm going to connect this back to being under the magnifying glass. There is a lot of 
um, everyone really wished for complete empowerment and curiosity and startup, you know, small companies inside of a company. But if you are underneath the magnifying glass, sometimes um, your roadmap and what you're going to work on cannot, will not be decided completely by yourself. And so uh, if you find yourself constantly debating, am I empowered and independent? No, but they're telling me what to do. So I'm not really empowered. <laughs> Uh, you find yourself <laughs> quite being frustrated. You need to you need to lean into it and understand that right now, uh, something bigger than your team is happening, mm. and yeah. and and that's hard. That's hard because mm. it's not exactly your decisions. But you need to climb up the ladder. I think Nate said it. Told me today that when you climb up the <laughs> ladder enough in in uh, in in priorities, the priorities align yours and others. But what I, I really want to say here is that you still can create small empowerment, even if you're under the magnifying glass. And that is, you know what you need to do, but inside of it, whether it's small designs or uh, tech infrastructure related things, you can create a lot of discovery tickets. And that's what mm. we do. So mm. when there is something to do, you create a ticket. I know you give it a story point of a zero because no one really knows how much time you can spend on it. And you let this, you let engineers discover, go around and find solutions for themselves. That's at least how we're trying to create the curiosity. And another thing I want to echo what Nate said, constantly look at market trends, whether it's signing up to uh, Owler, that's what, I, that's what I'm using to, to get a, a daily feed of competitors and what's happening in the market that really feeds the curiosity also talk with mm -hmm. the engineers about it, what's happening mm -hmm. in the product. But complete empowerment and, and uh, yeah. complete curiosity as a startup, sometimes you're not going to have yeah. it underneath the magnifying glass. So just lean into it and uh, survive the ride. <laughs> Love that. Bahare, do you think that answers your question? I mean, uh, it's difficult to disagree to this. Uh, I can only agree. A lot of smart people in this room, and I and I love what you said, Nathaniel, as well. And being, you know, customer obsessed, you you really, I mean, you really need to understand the customers to to basically be successful. So that's I agree with you. That's the key. And and just want to add one one last thing. That's something we are trying new. That. Uh, we actually have six sprints in each increment and the last sprint is based only for innovation. Uh, and of course, uh, majority of the time we end up that it can't be 100% in you know, innovation. You all have faced this. You have operation things. You have First thing say, to get down prior. <laughs> yeah, freight site development you need to do, but but it at least open up you know opportunity for the engineers to spend you know some more focused time on either you know understanding the customer better, doing customer survey, or or just basically do exploratory things. But thank you, everyone. Perfect, great discussion today, um, Lana. So your question, bit of a statement as well, was talking about thriving in the limelight. So what does it take and, and how to use the unique position to your product's advantage? Yeah. So Lana, tell us what you mean by it and what's just go through it. Yes. So I like to play the devil's advocate role, even when I talk to my team. But 
for this specific problem, because when you talk about building uh, products under the magnifying glass, we actually talk about managing stakeholders in a sense. And for all of us, it's a lot easier to talk about all the challenges that we face or all the problems that we have had or all the sentiments and feelings that we have had about working in circumstances like that. And um, uh, for me specifically, I have never had the luxury of building products in obscurity. So I have had so many different sentiments from uh, people think that I'm incompetent or everyone thinks that they can do my job better than they can. So uh, I have been, as I said, in a lot of unnecessary opinion battles that I wouldn't have gotten myself into if I knew as much as I know now. Um, And the thing is, as uh, Elon said, like it's really hard to win a battle with someone that is higher in the organization, higher he. Uh, they have more experience than you. And of course, they have more power than you. It's sort of the natural order of things in organizations. But at the same time, I'm actually a very strong proponent of if you cannot change things, you can change your perception about things, <laughs> which is which has helped me actually a lot to start enjoying this position. Uh, but I took my sweet time, of course. Uh, <laughs> So what I want to hear from the people in the, in this group here is um, did they find ways to enjoy the position? And wow. what are the benefits that they actually see about being in this position? So that was sort of my, my, my point there specifically. I can tell you about myself uh, and uh, some of the things that I can think of when I talk about the, the benefits of being in this position is that it has allowed me and my team to do a lot more discovery and a lot more testing than any other team. And the reason for that is that the product has been so important and it is so important. And a lot of people have had a lot of interest in in that. And there have been so many different ideas that have really been good ideas that we actually could afford to take the time and test and we could get the buy-in also to do more discovery, to test more, to fail more, and to be able to share more and teach other people in the organization, how do we approach product development in a responsible way or in a good way. Um, Another thing is, uh, uh, for example, it's a great source of product ideation. Not all the ideas are, are great, but I do have this impression that we as product managers maybe are not working with as many ideas as we would like to work with. Mm -hmm. So this is a great source of product ideation as well. Of course, it's always better when you can pick and choose and you're not be like ideas are not being imposed on you, but it is really a great source of product ideation. uh, If you, of course, think about the positive side. Uh, Another thing is that uh, it allows you to actually build stronger relationships with stakeholders. Like you're working on one of the most important products, if not the most important product. That means that in a lot of circumstances, you will need to build a lot of relationships with people and you have to do it right Mm -hmm. if you want to succeed, of course. And then you may even have a lot stronger relationship with those stakeholders than other people. And if you share more, uh, if you show your work, if you're open for feedback, if you put ego aside, you can learn so much about different aspects of the business. Like, ask me anything on legal. I'm expert. Of (laughs) course, you might want to get a second opinion, but ask me anything on legal. Like, really, I will figure something out. Like, I know a lot about finance. I know a lot about 
uh, uh, marketing, right? So the, the, the opportunity for you learning are a, a, a lot bigger than any other person that holds any other product role or leads any other product. Then another thing that is super important is that when you work, let's say, with a team that, uh, let's say, the uh, recruitment team that is uh, uh, understaffed, you get priority in recruitment. So they get to sort of focus more on people that you need just because you're building a super important product for the company. Uh, you get more priority from other teams. Let's say, uh, as I said, we work in a setup where we have team responsible for a product area. And we are autonomous, but we're not independent. So we depend on other teams. So it's easier for me to get, let's say, what I need from other teams, just because we are working on the product that is most important for the company. And then another thing is actually that I get access to a wider pool of people that apply for the positions in my team. I mean, everyone wants to work on the product that is the most important product of the company or one of the most important products of the company. So. I get larger pool of people that are interested and I get really like those people that are really enthusiastic about working on that product or people that have thought about different things that could be done so that the product is better. They understand the problem. They live the problem. So all of those are actually things that started to make me like being under the limelight. Like I'm not a person that likes the spotlight, to be honest. Like I am not like I... I'm not enjoying it sure? in that sense. Yes, I'm very sure. Like, I'm very sure about that. Yeah, I have stage fright. Like, I, I, I don't like the spotlight, to be very honest. But then I started thinking about all these things just because, as I said, like, when you cannot change certain things, just change your perception about things and start looking all the good things that come with it. Yeah, so I want to hear from you guys. I can... I can jump in and say that I this is uh, this is enlightening, and I would like to emphasize that this type of things are getting learned the hard way. Like you gotta first, um, you gotta feel it what it means to to object a few times before you actually uh, do the switch. And it's like, okay, I'm just gonna lean into it and and see where this takes me. And okay, I'll start saying yes to things and see what what happens. Yeah, I definitely, I, I'm a big believer in emotional bank account. You have to, you know, you have to give a yes uh, in order to to take something back later on. You got to deposit sometimes. And, and that means that definitely uh, it's a good for, for stakeholder management. It's really easy to just try to survive and get pushed around with different ideas. It's a completely different level of product management to lean with it and then also go and you know, parade it around. We did this and that. Maybe it wasn't completely your idea. We did this and that. The product has yeah. been so successful. Um, completely different. Yes. And give credit. Like we did yeah. this. Yeah. It was an idea yeah. that this person gave us. Like give yeah, credit. It's it. fine. For me, it's like, and that's the thing when I say I don't enjoy the limelight. Like I don't care who gets to married. I want the job to get done. So mm -hmm. that's the most important. So give the credit, like selflessly. Exactly. Nathaniel? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean... I, I agree, of, of course, with everything you said. I'm not going to disagree here, but um, <laughs> just to annoy Chris. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but, it would be much more fun. <laughs> yeah, this is a very complacent thing here. <laughs> uh, 
I've, I'm going to bring some stakeholders on next time. That's what I need to wow. do. I should have someone from legal, someone from HR, and someone from recruitment, and then just oh, one God. product manager just in between them all. <laughs> oh, I agree. I mean, I, I think I can add three things that uh, have happened to me recently because, you know, Elon, Elon knows my struggles. We've been, we've been talking about things and venting uh, quite a lot to each other about the, the pressures of our, of our job because we are both uh, managing products that are business critical and are kind of continuously in the limelight. Um, I, I can't remember in the last year when I've not been in the limelight. So it's, it's been a tough, a tough year, I'd say. Uh, but that being said, you know, when I look back now and I see all, uh, all of the learnings that I've gathered, all of the things that we've done together as a team, I'm extremely proud. And would I have done it, you know, if I got the chance to do it again, would I have taken it? Absolutely, 100%. You know, I would have done some things differently maybe, but I would definitely take the, take the opportunity again. So the, the, the really cool thing was that we, we have just recently hired a, um, a person who is going to take over part of my job in her own team. So you can imagine I was doing technically two people's jobs at the same time. Yeah. She's going to take over that part. And now that I'm onboarding her, um, she's asking me tons of questions, which is great because she shows that curiosity. You know, I'm trying to trying to get her onboarded. But I sometimes look back at my answers to her and I'm like, holy crap, how do I know all this? How do I know <laughs> yeah. all these people that I'm telling her to talk to? She's asking <laughs> legal questions and I'm like, I'm answering this. You're how like, wow, me. me. Wow, me. me. I can't, I can't yeah. believe I'm answering this. This is fantastic. So that, that's one thing. The amount of knowledge and, and learning that you get is really great. The other thing is the, the, the teamwork just, so, sorry, the, 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 the relationship that you have with your team yeah just becomes so much better. I mean, I I would literally go into battle with the guys in my team, you know. I just feel like we have such a, a great relationship built up right now that, you know, we can just, I can just go to them and be like, hey guys, we really need to get this done. And they understand it and they, you know, yeah. they, they, they do what they need to do and they let me know as well what the progress is. And so, I don't know, we are such a tightly knit team through it right now because of everything that we had to go through. And I'm so, so proud of that. Um, I know that they're listening, so I'm just going to, you but that's a great one. It's actually a great one. Yeah. Really it's tough. like the rough yeah. times that define a exactly. team. So that's a great one. See, I'm going to write that to my list. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and, and the last one I would, I would still um, say again is, is, is just the amount, the sheer amount of work that we've done over the past yeah. year. Um, and, 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 you know, in any product that, that's in the limelight, I think it's just phenomenal. When I look at it uh, from at the beginning of the year, it just looks like this insurmountable mountain that you'll never get done. But one year later, we've got so much. We've just yeah. celebrated so mm. many wins. Mm. And, yeah. uh, and I'm just extremely proud of what the team has been able to accomplish. So yeah. I think that's, for me, the fun part of, of thriving yeah. in the limelight. Yeah, that's yeah. another great one, actually, because when I think about it, if everyone else is expected to deliver to 10, you're expected to deliver to like 100. And like you really need to work hard for that. Yeah, good one. Yeah. I mean, uh, great stuff has already been mentioned. Uh, I mean, this is really a smart thing. Of course it does. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything. Uh, yeah, but, but I, I mean, I have to start. I would like to you know, emphasize that I think to start with, it's very important to be aware of the unique position you are in, you know, 
because if you understand that you are in a really unique position and what you get, you know, to being the most important product uh, for the company, uh, with that come, of course, a lot of pressure, a lot of responsibility, but it's a lot of benefit with it as well. I mean, as I mentioned, I mean, you, you end up in a situation, uh, a great situation of networking within the company, internal and external, outside the company as well. You know, you can grow your network, learn a lot, and you kind of going from maybe being very, you know, uh, product specific and, and deep knowledge in your product to get the much, much more holistic view, uh, you know, uh, as mentioned, learning from different area. And that actually makes you take much better decision along the way, because mm. when ideas pops up, you know directly that, okay, by the way, we need to connect to accounting or we need to check this with legal because this could end up be a showstopper or we need to have them, you know, onboarded to make this happen. So, uh, so I think that that's very important to start to build, you know, a good relation from beginning, networking uh, and, and, you know, have a continuously and, and regular communication, I think. But I also think one, one thing that I have felt has been important as a leader for such, you know, when you have a product is working with, you know, uh, important is actually as leader to, to really uh, try to keep the noise out. Because normally, as you mentioned, there's so much pressure, so many requests coming in, so many ideas coming in, as well as, you know, requests that go, oh, do you have the result? What is the result? When will you deliver? Will it be next week or a week after? And, and of course, the team is doing the best and focusing, you know, regardless if, if they are in a discovery phase or a development phase, they need really, you know, you need to keep the noise out for them to be able to focus on the stuff they really need to focus on. And, and, and that, that's part of being a good leader. But then, I mean, there are no, you know, manual for this. I think Ellen was, you know, pointing out something great. I mean, we could all sit here and point out, you know, 10 points, you know, uh, probably paper after paper, you know, with mistakes we have done and how to not repeat it. But at the end, I think it's part of the journey when you take on such a role to dare also to do mistakes. Uh, the important part is to learn from it and not repeat it. So I think that's really important. Be humble, dare to try and fail, but reflect, take time for reflection and learn from it. And, and, and make it possible for your team, you know, to take in the ideas and try and, and also dare to do mistake, you know, uh, live by showing, basically. So that's what, what I would like to add. What, what I should have done is got someone who's been in product management for two weeks. Yeah, who's saying no to everything. Yeah, no, we're doing it this way. It's this way or the highway. Yeah, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, no, no, no. And that would have been, yeah, that's the person I needed in there saying, oh, what's this all being sympathetic and everything like that? Listening. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we need to say no sometimes. I mean, we're not <laughs> saying that, but be humble and listen. <laughs> you have to uh, persuade the other person that, uh, you yeah, know, you've, exactly. that, that they have said no. You're too experienced. Yeah, you know what you're be doing. Be smart. <laughs> Lana, do you feel like that answers your question? Yes, absolutely. 
Thanks. I think I was the only person that didn't say this is a really smart group of people. So <laughs> here it goes. <laughs> here it goes. <laughs> should go work for dinner after this. <laughs> um, Why not? Right. Um, Nathaniel, the final question. Uh, so your question was, how do you maintain a good balance between a high between the high performance of a team and their stress levels? Yeah. So kind of explain what you you meant by this, Nathaniel. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, as I said, you know, I'm, I'm part of a team that is in, in the constant limelight. We are a central cog within the, the space that we're in. And uh, essentially, if we don't work well, the the main revenue maker of the product doesn't work, uh, and and so it's it's always um, a battle in terms of the the amount of work that we have, right? So there's there's you know incoming requests, there's uh, maintenance, there's tech debt, there's new features, there's rearchitecture, there's just like, tons of things coming in, there's design changes and whatnot, and the the challenge that we're facing is okay, how do we prioritize all of this? That's all high priority. And if everything is high priority, it's very hard to tell what's really, really, really high priority, right? Um, so, so that makes it so that um, we we try to get all hands on deck and and kind of you know manage the workload in a in a reasonable way. However, because of that and because of the different streams of work that are coming in, it's it happens very often that engineers have to switch context. And for an engineer, it's sometimes hard to do that because they like to get more specialized into one area um, and, and, and get better in it. Uh, so, so that can lead to you know, increased stress levels, uh, a bit of an impact on the emotions. And, um, and so my question really came from there. So how, how do you maintain a team that still manages to perform a lot and, 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 and manage to achieve the deliverables that you set out to achieve while still managing their stress levels? And I can I can maybe dive into some of the things that I've tried that I've you know I'm still trying out and together with my engineering the engineering manager and my team, um, but love to would love to get your input afterwards as well. So the first thing that we're doing is we're we're trying to be really uh, rigid with our uh, ceremonies. So ceremonies meaning stand ups, our retros, you know, our, our weekly planning, and we try to maintain them, make sure that everybody's involved so that everybody kind of um, is present and that we you know, maintain that relationship uh, going. And one thing that's very important as well that uh, we, have, we have tried to implement very strongly is even though some things may have come down straight from management in terms of what we need to implement, we still ask all engineers for their input. And this is something that we have built as a sort of guiding principle within our team. We, we allow everybody to speak their, their mind, voice their concerns, but at the end of the day, if we need to commit to a decision, not everybody will be happy, of course, but it is important that everybody's concern is heard. And then we commit and we go to, towards a certain direction. And, and that really makes them feel, you know, makes them feel part of it, makes them feel that they con contributed to, to the idea. And so that, that's the other thing. Also, celebrations are, are super, super important. Um, you might think, especially in, in, in a product that's under the limelight, you kind of think, well, you know, we're, we're delivering a lot, so do we have to celebrate everything? Yeah, you kind of do. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, just, it's just really great. <laughs> buy, you know, buy them that fika, uh, send them the kudos, and um, just, just publicly, um, publicly acknowledge the work that they're doing, but be sincere about it, because I think you know, if you say, oh, great job, great job, great job, there's, the, you know, the, the essence of the message gets lost. 
but really try to be sincere as much as you can. Um, and, and kind of going back to the tech part, sorry, I'm going a bit all over the place, but uh, just trying to keep everything. So I, I think one of the things that's, that's important for an engineer specifically is that that sense of, okay, the work that I'm doing is of high quality. And in a yeah. high performing team, a team that's under the limelight, sometimes you have to sacrifice that, right? Because you need to deliver quite quickly um, if you want to remain competitive. And so the, the, the principle that we have implemented in our team is that we define what our level of quality is. We set the bar, right? Mm. But there will be times where that bar will not be able to be, we won't be able to meet that bar in favor of speed. But if that happens, we need to be super, super sharp and super, super clear on the trade-offs and what, mm. you know, sacrificing that quality will entail for the product in the long run, in the short term, but also in the long run. Uh, and, and, and we make sure that that's documented, that that's saved, and that we can share it, share it at the moment's notice with, with any CXO or, or manage, manager mm. level. So that, that's very important to the team. And then last but not least, and then I'll stop my rant and I'll let you guys talk. Um, <laughs> the, the, the last part is something, something cool that we've been trying out um, in the last couple of weeks, actually, is in Slack, you can set yourself reminders, right? But you can also set reminders for, for your own Slack channel. So what we do is we set, a, we set a reminder at the end of the day, usually at around 5, 5.15, uh, to say, you know, hey, guys, it's the end of the day. Um, how do you feel? And then there's four, I think, four or five emojis that you can put ranging from really good to, oh, my God, I'm dead today. And um, what what I think is really nice, and this, this, this just, that, that's something that we implemented, but what I've seen happening is that when people put the skull uh, emoji, which, is, which indicates, oh, I'm dead today, you know, people actually <laughs> reach out to you. People reach out to you and say, "Hey, I see that you added that's you know that that death emoji. Are you okay? They're like, can can I help you with anything? I've, my day is you know kind of okay today. Let me let me try and help." Um, and I think that that's such a nice touch, and that came just organically, you know. And 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 it's such a nice thing for for the team, you know, spirit, team bonding to to happen. Um, so so that's that's sort of my take on it, at least the, the things that I've tried together with my engineering manager. So I, I'd be very curious mm -hmm. to to hear from you guys. You're doing a lot of uh, fun games in your team. Sounds yeah. true. Uh, I, 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 hear, I, hear you're, I hear you're laughing from uh, the other <laughs> cubicles. So what's, what's your, what's your secret gaming? Do you guys go to work? Ooh. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like you're not working from home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were but talking I, about 12 months ago. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 2009. We're living in <laughs> 2021 already. But Some Nate, things are difficult yeah. to let go. Yeah. You have, a, yeah, you have a third yeah. fun uh, gaming. Maybe you yes. could uh, shed some light on your yeah, gaming in the engineering. A, that's a good shout, actually. Yeah. So, so what we do yeah. is um, we, during our weekly planning, we have something called a social goalie. And essentially, what that means is that person for that week needs to decide on a social activity that we do. Obviously, everything is virtual now. Hmm. Uh, so, um, we try to do fun games like uh, we played GeoGuessr the other the other week, and that is I, if you haven't tried that yet, it is absolutely insane how much fun this game is. <laughs> Essentially, what what happens? Is you you gather around with a couple of people in 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 a room in a virtual room, and then uh, you buy this game. You get placed somewhere on Earth in Google Street View. In random, the most randomly, like in the middle of a farm somewhere, right? You you have no idea where it, where it is, 
And your goal uh, is to find out as quickly as possible where you are and then <laughs> mark it on the map to kind of say, like, this is where I guess I am. And the person who is the closest to the actual place you know, gets the points. And that is extremely fun because you can start yelling out in the meeting like, oh, I know this cow. I've seen this cow before. That looks like a British cow, you know, like, <laughs> or I've seen that. I've seen that mailbox. That mailbox looks very familiar to me. And then you can throw off other people. If you haven't tried it yet, I wholeheartedly yeah, I recommend GeoGuessr. <laughs> it would deal with stress, though. Because you sound happy, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sounds happy. So you're dealing with really this does. issue. Yes. Well, wait, you, yeah. Lana, you gonna say something? Uh, yes. So um, I actually agree that showing that their work matters is super important. Uh, what I do is uh, I scroll through Twitter, for example. I see that someone has written something nice about how our app has uh, made their day. I would just take a screenshot, send it over to the team. Nice. If someone on Slack would text me about, you know, this looks great, I would just take a screenshot of that, send it over to the team. It doesn't matter how busy I am. Those are the things that are really important for the teams to hear. Nice. Um, then uh, I agree with Nathaniel about uh, encourage well-being. Uh, like stress is contagious, but then the opposite is true as well. Like you have a person that feels good and sees that someone else doesn't feel good and they can help each other out. And sharing this mm. information within the team is important because like someone can reach out and someone will reach out if you have that environment in the team, which sort of is a good segue to building a safe environment, which also Nathaniel touched upon. Building an environment where people could express their opinion, where they can express their concerns as well. And the way for them to express their concerns is uh, also sometimes for us as implicit or explicit leaders to express our concerns and our distress as well. Like I would be the first one to say, okay, you know, I don't feel very well today. This work from home is getting to me. Mm -hmm. I really need to see people. This is very difficult for me. I've been sitting in meetings from nine to five. So of course I try not to cross the line so that I, I don't monopolize meetings, but it's important for people to see that you're a human being too. And it's perfectly fine for everyone, if they are in distress, to yeah share that and try to find some relief. Um, we do. We are actually very religious about team meetings, like casual team meetings that we have on Friday with the entire team. And typically, we use them to play games, get to know each other. Sometimes we do virtual cooking sessions, like we what? would bake cookies when I would just try to what? find a recipe. Yeah. It was very like we had a session where we make cookies because um, that was sort of the easiest recipes that I a recipe that I could find that required the least amount of tools at home because I mean most people do not really bake so they're not going to bother to actually have every what? single tool on earth. Yes, this is crazy. Yes. Virtual. So you cooking. take yes, I'm and you just moderate the session, and it's it's it works. Oh, like wow. it's not the same thing as like doing it in person, but it actually works. No. Uh, we play Among Us. I'm not sure if you've heard about yeah, that game. Yes. That, that is yeah. like super also fun. Yeah. It's super, yeah. super fun. But also it's very important uh, for me, at least. Not It's important, of course, to create an atmosphere where people will be close to each other and they will understand that there are other people in a similar situation to them. Let's say if it's stress due to external factors, let's say work from home haven't seen people, haven't met people. Mm. But it's important for me also to think about the root cause of problem if it's something that I can fix. Mm -hmm. 
or something that I can influence. Mm. Sometimes it may be it may be me the cause of the stress. It could be I don't know unclear requirements. I don't talk enough about the vision. I don't talk enough about the purpose of the thing that they're building. Uh, they they don't feel committed to the things that they're building. Uh, sometimes they feel like okay we're doing this but we don't have enough time. And uh, uh, this technology that I'm using is not the best technology or it's not a technology that I'm comfortable with. So it's for me, I'm a problem solver. So I, for me, it's important to try to understand the problem first and try to see if there is something that I can fix or I can help with. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, one of the things on the list that, uh, of course, are super important. And in line with the encouraging well-being, I actually have set up a steps challenge for the team. It wasn't my idea. It was one of the team members' ideas, um, uh, but I set it up. Uh, and uh, uh, we have actually a steps challenge, and we actually use it to, um, I would say, to, to tell people that are not making any steps that they should take a lunch break, they should take a walk. During well, the day, so we put great. them. We put them on the wall of shame, like literally, <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? Because like, we have a person that goes out every day. He walks the dog. He goes for a run, and like, none of us can reach him. But we have people that are making like two hundred steps, which is probably between your bedroom and um, uh, your <laughs> living room or whatever you're working from. And like, that's just for us. Like, we put this person on the on the wall of shame, and then we try to get that person make more steps. So we even managed to make a couch potato, a person that is like really high up on oh, the no. list. So that is nice. something that I would really recommend because Thank it also you. tells you about yeah, it tells you about like uh, how much people also spend uh, time on um, yeah, just not being connected to like being disconnected, being in nature try to reconnect with nature and with oneself. Uh, and it's also like, it gives you a lot of information about where to sort of put your efforts, who yeah. to talk to yeah. <laughs> and what to work yeah. on. I can definitely echo that. Great and I, I, I think everything, everything kind of boils down into how do you, uh, you have a lot of stress build up on you, inside of you. How do you let it go? So everyone is talking about yeah. games and stuff like that. Nate yeah. and I actually wrote an article called uh, how, uh, venting uh, saved our product management career, and it e ended up with a lot of different professionals. Whether it's uh, it's on Medium, whether it's uh, doctors or engineers, people, we got a lot of feedback because, in the end of the day, you need to vent, you need to talk to someone, you need to express your stress. Uh, it, it's not complaining, yeah. It's just it's talking about your emotions and why you feel the way you feel. Uh, very important, especially when we're all working from home and we don't get to do this yeah. casual coffee next to the water cooler. Yeah. Um, it, my two senses yeah. is insist, although you're a product manager, you have a team, insist on having one-on-ones with the engineers, although you're not yeah. the person who is in charge of their professional growth, just to hear them out. They're sometimes a bit worried talking directly to to their a competence lead, the person that will eventually decide their salary. And this is a great place to hear, uh, to hear it and also insist on having a poll survey. If your organization doesn't have it, insist on it and insist that it's granular enough that it shows you specific things like Lana said, whether technology is not up to date, whether it's the motivation, whether it's their um, leader is not leading them enough, don't understand the vision, they don't understand how they contribute, make sure that this poll survey is very granular in order to spot things and then mm -hmm. talk about it in the retro. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. Yeah.
So I, I can add a little bit. I mean, I, I think a lot of good things has already brought up. What, what we use, we actually, when we're working from the office, we have basically like this helicopter toy that's actually circulates around the team. So, and it wasn't me as a leader who pointed out who to have it. And, and I, I think I get it only once was when I actually changed a role. <laughs> I don't know what, what they were trying to say to me, but, but, but normally is that, I mean, it started with, you know, that you actually uh, announce someone who feels that, um, you know, done a great achievement or being a great team member of the week who actually received the helicopter and then next week that person should you know announce the next one and so on and that's you know building this quite natural celebration and and it's not always about what you're delivering it's also be you know a great team member as as someone mentioned that you actually need to reach out and support someone when they kind of you know have this peak and very heavy workload or maybe are facing you know very complex situation uh, which requires a lot of energy and time from them so i think that that's really important uh, to to really do a celebration and now when we are not you know in the office we we actually renamed it to sprint hero so <laughs> we're trying to do it, you know, uh, digitally instead. And that's really, really appreciated. And, and you know, some, some of the team members really go into that 200 percentage and almost give you a novel when they, you know, announcing who should receive it and others, you know, keep it really simple. So it's basically up to you how fun you would like to have with it. And uh, so I think uh, that's really important. Another thing I would also emphasize it's it's uh, of course important, you know, to get out and and you know, uh, just not try to change the environment. Now you know when we are working remotely, some people are actually stuck in very very small apartment. But also with that, you know, being uh, understandable and, and try to understand that maybe flexible working time is needed. Of course, you have the ceremonies where everyone, you know, needs to join at the same time and all that. But I try also to emphasize uh, that it is okay. Take, you know, walk and talk. You don't need to always be, you know, sitting in front of the screen when you have, you know, these meetings. Take a walk and talk together instead it will work. I mean, you figure that out. So I think um, that's important as well. But but working remotely also, I think it's challenging to keep the team spirit. Uh, we noticed that after some time we have the dailies, we actually do the emojis as well or gift some mornings, which really give you a good feeling, you know, uh, how they feel for the day. Uh, which is important, but but still, I, I realize that it is difficult, you know, to keep the team spirit because people, you know, uh, reach out to the ones they are really close to, mm. and you start to get this, you know, sub teams within the teams to say, uh, which is difficult, and you want to avoid that. So we started with the Friday Fika. Uh, virtual features, a lot of that, but but something that was really successful when you have a high performing team is to do, you know, some kind of a competition, I realized. Yes. <laughs> that was the key. So we started with this, uh, you know, quiz every Friday. 
and and the 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 price is that you can actually do the quiz for the next exam. And it's so funny. I think we have done it like five times now, and there is one question that comes back every time, and there is so many people answering wrong on it. <laughs> so it's quite funny. It's about how many you know it, how many bolts it is on a bridge. So it's it's huge. You know, you need to remember all the figures. But it's quite funny because you know you laugh about it, you you joke about it and have fun together and and that is important you need you know you have a high performing team it's, it's stressful you know uh, it's a lot of pressure you need to make sure to deliver high quality as someone mentioned so take the time also to have fun together and do something else that not specifically is around the work um I, I think I think that that is really important in in those situations. Um, and then also as a leader, make sure you know to be there to listen, figure out, and you know have the one on one. I think that's that's really great, as you mentioned, Elon. Of course, you're not maybe the stuff responsible, you know, for the your engineers or your designers. But if you don't know the team, you know, good enough, if you don't have a strong relation with them, they will not reach out to you when they feel something is not working. Mm -hmm. So you need to build that strong yeah. relationship to make sure that you have that transparent, you know, open um, atmosphere where they can, when you have the retro, they could feel that even you as a product manager joining the team's retro, it's such a transparent and open dialogue so they can feel that they could, they can basically raise whatever and you will listen and you will have a great discussion around it and, and decide how, you know, what the next step will be. Perfect. <laughs> Nathaniel, does that answer your question? It does indeed. I think uh, I have some really good takeaways. Step challenges, virtual cooking, uh, ones, <laughs> ones with engineers, emphasizing fun, weekly quizzes, flexibility. Yeah. I think they counteract these are all really each good. other, don't don't they? You're doing loads <laughs> of steps, but you're eating 10 cookies a day. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, right, okay. We're going to stop it there. Um, thank you so much. I wrote some things down, just just some pointers about how I felt a session went and, and the individuals on it. And I wrote down passionate, caring, intelligent, and funny. Yeah. Summed up all four of you. Thank so you. thank you so thank much for joining you. us.